0: for your goodness. Father, we ask right now that as we prepare to hear your word, that we would lay aside our own ears and our own eyes and ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Bless us, Lord, as we listen to your word we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's message is a message that is reminding us that we have to stay focused on our mission. This is no time to get distracted. No time to get distracted. No time to get Sidetracked. We need to focus on the mission that God has called us to as Christians, specifically in an end time context. I want to invite you to Revelation chapter 14, 6, which lays out our mandate. The Bible tells us there, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. God has given us a very special message for the end times. That message is encapsulated in the everlasting gospel, which is to go to the whole world. I need you to stay with me. Do not lose focus. It is no time to get distracted. God has given us a message, and that message is this. Fear God and give glory to Him. What does it mean to fear God and give glory to Him? The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 tells us this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Listen carefully. The message that God has given to the church to take to the world is a message that invites the world to keep the commandments of God. This is what it means to reverence and honor God. It means to keep his commandments. If you're with me so far, give me an amen. Let me see that you're following. Let's move on. The Bible tells us the very next message, what is known as the three angels' messages, is found in Revelation 14, verse 8. The Bible says, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Not only has God called us to give a message to the world that God wants us to keep his commandments, but then we're also told that we must call a people out of Babylon. Why? You see, Babylon. The Bible says that the world has partaken of her wine. Why is this symbolic? Why is this important to understand? The wine is symbolic of something. I want you to notice with me Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4 and 5. The Bible says here, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, Lest they drink and do what? Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. The wine that God tells us not to drink leads people to two things. Number one, to forget the commandments, to forget the law, and number two, to pervert the judgment of the afflicted. So God says, come out of Babylon, because Babylon leads us to disregard the law of God, which in return, lead us to pervert the judgment of the afflicted. If you're with me so far, please just let me know that you're following. The Bible tells us that there is a third angel's message, and that third angel's message is found in, in verse 9 and 10 of Revelation chapter 14. The Bible says, And the third angel followed them with a loud voice, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone, in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And I want you to notice verse 11 and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And now notice how it ends. Verse 12 says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Listen carefully to me. All of these three messages, which constitute one end time message, revolves around keeping the commandments of God. We have a message to take to the world. We have a mission and we cannot afford to be distracted. If you agree with that, Give me an amen. I know I can't hear you, but give me an amen. You know how to do that, right? Let me see. I'm following pastor. Do not be distracted. Listen, there's a lot going on around us right now. There is a lot going on around us right now. And I believe that God is pleading with his church. Do not be distracted. We have been called to present the three angels, messages to a world that is in darkness and it all revolves around keeping the commandments of God. In fact, this is why God has called us to be priests specifically. Notice with me, first Peter chapter two and verse nine, don't lose me here, guys. I need you to follow along because God has a message for his people today. Please listen carefully. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God says, listen, I have called you to be priests. I have called you to show forth my praises. I have called you to go out into the world and to minister specifically through the preaching of the everlasting gospel. Follow me carefully. You see, in the book of Exodus chapter 28 and verse 41... The Bible tells us that the role of the priest was to minister. Exodus 28:41 and thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him and shall anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. The role of the priest was to do what everyone it was to minister. So when God calls us as end time priests and end time priesthood, he's saying, I need you to go minister and I've given you a message to do that through. It is the everlasting gospel. This is what God calls us to do. Numbers chapter 10, verse eight. The Bible tells us further, and the sons of Aaron, the priests shall blow the trumpets And they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. You see, one of the job descriptions of the priests was to blow the trumpets to alert the children of Israel of when to move forward. So if we think about that in our context today, God's people must be giving the trumpet a certain sound. If you're with me so far, give me an amen. Yes, pastor, we are following you. God calls us to be priests. Amen. Now I need you to understand something because we want to ask the question, how did God set aside the priests in the Old Testament? What is it that led to a certain group of people being the priests among every other people. So I want you to watch and listen carefully. So the Bible tells us that in Exodus chapter 24, we're just going to go on a little journey here, and I need you to follow along. Do not miss this. In Exodus 24 verse 12, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me in the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Verse 15 Says, and Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So, watch what's happening here, guys. God has called Moses to ascend. Listen carefully. God has called Moses to ascend. And as Moses ascends, the Bible says he ascends in a cloud, a cloud receives him out of the sight of the people watching. I'm going to ask you a question. Does that picture sound familiar to you? A man ascending and a cloud receiving him out of the sight of the people. I hope you're following this. I hope you're catching this because you do know That when Jesus Christ ascended, a cloud received him out of the sight of the disciples. Now, listen carefully. Let's keep moving forward. In the book of Exodus 32, from Exodus 24, Moses goes up into the mount. In Exodus 25, he's up in the mount. In Exodus 26, he's up in the mount. 27, 28, 29, 30. 31, Moses is up in the Mount in all those chapters. And when we get to Exodus 32, here's what we find. Exodus 32, the Bible says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to return, now I know the text doesn't say return, but I need you to understand what I'm doing here. When the people saw that Moses who had ascended and had been gone a long time, delayed to return, Hey. He must not be coming back. He's ta- we expected him to return sooner than this and he has not yet returned. Watch this guys. So, the Bible says when they saw that he delayed his coming, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, "Up, make us gods which shall go before us, as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not that what is become of him. So you guys know the story. As a result of this, they build an image. In other words, apostasy begins to take place while Moses is up in the mountains. You know the story. Moses returns at a time that they did not expect him to return. And when he returned, notice what the Bible says here in verse 26. So Exodus 32, verse 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of who? Guys, listen carefully. Don't go to sleep. Don't lose me here. All the sons of who? Levi gathered themselves together unto him. So you know the story. It is the Levites. They were the only tribe that were not involved in the apostasy. So God called a tribe that was not involved in the apostasy. And notice what he says. Notice what happens. Second Chronicles. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not even going to go there. Just let me explain this a little bit further. And then we'll come to this. We'll come back to this text. As a result of the Levites not being involved in the apostasy, God chose that tribe to be the priests. He chose that tribe to take care of the sanctuary. They were given the responsibility of the sanctuary. So the priests were out of the line of Levi. So you had the priests who were responsible for one thing, and then the Levites as a whole responsible for something else. Don't lose me here, guys. I warn you, don't go to sleep. I warn you. Listen carefully. So what was the responsibility of the Levites? Check this out. Second Chronicles, chapter 35, verse 3 said unto the Levites that taught all Israel. Paul, I just want you to stop right there. What did the Levites do? The Levites taught all of Israel. Listen carefully, beloved. God has called us as an end time people who have not been involved in the apostasy of the world to be priests, to be Levites. What was the role of the Levites? They were to teach the people. If you're with me so far, give me an amen. Just let me see that you're following. Notice again with me, 1 Chronicles 24, verse 6. And Shemaiah, the son of Nathanael, the scribe, one of the Levites, just stop right there. The Levites were also scribes, or many of them were scribes. So the work of the scribe was to write down, was to inform, was to be skilled at the law. God has called us as priests and Levites to lead, to minister, to take a message into the world and to show them and teach them who the true God is. The Levites were even responsible for worship. Notice what the text says, 2 Chronicles 29, verse 30. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with words of David. The Levites were responsible for leading out in worship. God has given us a message which says, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and do what? Worship. We don't have time to get sidetracked. All of this teaching, all of this praising, all of this leading, all of this ministering revolves around keeping the Commandments, beloved. We are God's people are the priests. We are the Levites that God has called to stay focused on the mission, laser focused on the mission so that we can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. And it all revolves around keeping the commandments. If you're with me, just let me see you say, yes, pastor, we are with you. We are feeling this. We are being reminded right now. Do not be sidetracked. Do not be distracted. Jesus himself said, if you love me, watch, it's right here. John 14, 15. If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. That's our message, beloved. It's a message of love. If you love me, keep my commandments. In fact, in Revelation 22, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, the Bible says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. If we want to be in the kingdom of heaven, God says blessed are they that do his commandments. Beloved, Jesus summed it up this way. John chapter 10, verse 27. Just part, are you guys with me so far? Are you with me so far? Amen. Praise God. I want you to notice this. Luke 10 and verse 27. Notice how Jesus put it. He said, answering, and he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So God summarizes the commandments by saying, love God and love your neighbor, right? That's our message. Why? Because love is the fulfilling of the law. Now I'm going to stop right here. I don't think y'all just caught what just happened. So I'm just going to take a moment to be silent. See, you may not know where I just quoted from. Look at it again. John 10, 27. Let's look at it again. On the screen, Luke 10, 27. He answered saying, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Wait a minute. What's Jesus talking about here? And he answering, answering what? Answering who? All right, let's get some context. Let's go to the next verse. Let's get some context. So Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer. Now, pause for a second. Now, the lawyer, if you read it in a different translation or you just look at that word lawyer, it says scribe. It means scribe. Wait a minute. Who were the scribes again? Yeah, who were the scribes? Who were the scribes, guys? Yeah. Mm hmm. The Levites. Interesting. So, let's go back. Verse 25. So, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Verse 26. He said unto him, What is in the law? How readest thou? And in verse 27. Oh, boy, you know what? I'm going to turn to my Bible here because I actually don't have. I actually missed that verse in my notes. So Luke 10, verse 27. Let me just read it to you here. Luke chapter 10. Verse 27, I think I got so excited. (laughs) Luke 10, verse 27. So the Bible says here, and he answered saying, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might." We had it in the earlier text, I'm sorry. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's how the scribe answers. And Jesus then says, Luke chapter 10, verse 28, he then says this, he answered and said unto him, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. You guys, I hope you're sitting down. And first of all, before I go any further, you know, the Bible says that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. So um, I pray that you love me right now, because I'm your neighbor. So if you love me right now, just pastor, we love you. Okay, because I love you guys too. And I want us to be friends and I want us to be brothers and sisters because I love you. I do. I love you. So let's go back. Notice what it says next. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, a couple things here. This scribe, this lawyer, when Jesus says, this is right, do this and you will live, something pricks him in his heart because the Bible says he willing to justify himself, justify himself. Why is he trying to justify himself? Notice what he does. He doesn't ask about, okay, well, what does it mean to love God? He asks, well, who's my neighbor? Okay. In other words, in his mind, he assumes that he loves God. Listen carefully, guys. In his mind, He assumes that he loves God. It's just taken for granted. Hey, I've been brought up in Advent. I mean, I've been brought up a Levite. So loving God, I get that. And I even get loving your neighbor. But check this out. Why does he ask about who is my neighbor? Because something about that pricked his conscience. Listen carefully, guys. Something about that pricked his conscience. Let me tell you what it is. You see, the Jews considered their neighbors to be Jews. So when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, in his mind, he was thinking, love all Jews. Let me say it this way. In his mind... Here's what he said, I love all my neighbors. Of course I love my neighbors. All neighbors' lives matter. All neighbors' lives matter. Of course I love my neighbors. God what are you talking about now listen carefully for Jesus this is true all neighbors lives matter Jesus had to show this lawyer that there was something in his heart that maybe he didn't even realize himself listen carefully listen to what the Bible says here Jeremiah 17 verse 9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doing. So Jesus had to show this scribe, this Levite. Now, listen, beloved. God called the Levite himself. Don't get me wrong. God was not trying to say Levite's. You know, you guys got it all. You you know, you're what do you even? No, 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 no. God himself raised up the Levite movement. God himself called the Levite and called the Levite with a mission and said, listen, don't be distracted. You've got a mission and I need you to stay focused. Don't be distracted. Don't be sidelined. I told you guys don't sleep. I told you guys on this, I told you guys,, hey, okay, we're we focus with me. Now is not the time to be distracted. So he called the Levite, but in this Levite, and it wasn't just this Levite, it was many within the Levite movement that held this sentiment, Yes, all my neighbors' lives matter. Now when again, for Jesus, That meant something totally different than for this Levite. He willing to justify himself. Something pricked him in his heart and Jesus said, I have you now right where I want you. Why? Because I love you and I want to see you in the kingdom. So I need you to show you things in your heart that you don't even realize are there. Please don't hang up. Don't click leave. (laughs) I need you to stay here, even if it's painful, even if it hurts. Why? Because God loves you. Okay. I'm looking at the count. If I see one less, I'm praying for you. (laughs) If I see one less, I'm praying for you. In fact, what I would like you to do is hit share so that others can hear what I'm about to say. So if you haven't shared this yet, why don't you do that? So, watch this. He will not justify himself. You see, this Levite had the appearance of a true believer. He looked like a lamb. I need you to listen carefully. He looked like a believer. He was a Levite. He had a mission. He looked like a lamb, but Jesus was about to show him out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You're speaking your words and what they mean. Though they sound one way, there's a different message connected with those words. I need you to see the dragon-like spirit that is hidden behind those words. Notice Luke verse 645. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth Uh, evil things for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the mouth reveals what is in the heart. And Jesus is a unique individual in that he can hear words, but he can discern their meanings. So let's keep moving. So Jesus hears this and he says, all right, let me give you a parable. Let me give you a parable. The parable begins in verse 30. Jesus answering said, a certain man, this man has no name. We don't know if this man is what his nationality is. All we know is that it is a certain man. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Let me say it this way. A certain man went down from Jerusalem and fell among thieves, which stripped him of 400 years of freedom, which robbed him of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which robbed him of Equal justice, which robbed him of equal opportunity and education. I'm looking at the count, guys. Let me share something with you right now. If you're getting angry, you now know what the Jews who were listening to this parable felt as Jesus was giving it. Yo, come on, Jesus. Are you serious? You're about to go there, Jesus. Really? Really? I hope and pray that no one listening to this is feeling what the Jews felt as Jesus was giving this parable. Because if you're feeling what the Jews felt as Jesus was giving this parable. I just hope I hope. Because this is God's church. We are Levites. We are priests. God has called us to stay focused on a mission. So they left this oppressed man half dead. Half dead from broken families. Half dead from lack of opportunity. Half dead from biases and prejudices. Half dead from a knee on the neck for centuries. Half dead. Now, here's the part, guys. Luke 10, verse 31. Luke 10, verse 31. And by chance, by chance, there came down a certain what? Come on, guys. Come on. A certain priest. What was the mission of the priest? The mission of the priest was to represent a message that leads people to keep the commandments of God. And Jesus said the commandments of God are manifested in love for God and love for your neighbor. Now, I don't know where the priest was going. I don't know. Maybe the priest was. Maybe he had been on lockdown because, I don't know, some virus may hit at some point and, you know, they couldn't go to church. And now the priest was on his way to church. Church had opened up again. Yes, the priest is on his way to preach the everlasting gospel. And he sees this man. But wait a minute, that's a distraction. No, no, no. I got to stay focused. I'm not going to be distracted with this. Stay focused, man. We got a message. That's not our responsibility. That's not our calling. We got to stay focused. We got to stay focused. So let's keep reading. So the priest, the Bible says, came that way and he saw him and he passed by on the other side. Distraction. Stay focused. Not our mission, not our calling. We are special people. Let others handle that. Let others take care of this. We got a mission and that mission is to preach the everlasting gospel. To preach that men must keep the commandments of God because if they don't keep the commandments of God, they are drinking the wine of Babylon, which leads you to forget the law of God and thus pervert the judgment of the afflicted, the oppressed. Y'all not feeling me, man. If you are drinking the wine of Babylon, mystery Babylon, the mother and her daughters, if you're drinking the wine of Babylon, it's going to lead you to look at the afflicted and go, "Mm, yeah, nah. What, you're afflicted? Nah, not, not really. Come on, man. It's going to lead you to pervert justice to the point where you can look at the afflicted and not care. Look at the afflicted and not have compassion. Look at the afflicted and, and, and bring about all kinds of excuses and a, all kinds of. Hey, you know, come on, guys, get, get it. Yeah. Come on. Seriously. The wine leads you to disregard The law of God. And if you disregard the law of God, you are setting yourself up to receive the mark of the beast. And so Satan knows that the whole law is broken if you offend it in one point. So if he can't convince you to go to church on some other day of the week, he'll just get you to break some other portion of the law, which will still lead you to receive the mark regardless. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Are you catching this? Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So let's keep moving. Next verse. Verse 32. And likewise a Levite. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Guys, the two people, the two positions that God called said, listen, I need you to present to the world what it means to serve God. I need you more than anyone else to show the relevance of keeping the commandments of God, the relevance of the sanctuary message, the the responsibility of teaching and instructing and going into all the world and reconciling people unto me. I need you to demonstrate what it means to keep the commandments of God. And so the priest and the Levite, both positions that God himself ordained, both look at the man who is oppressed and who is down and who is out and who is half dead, they look at him as a distraction and they say to themselves, we will not be sidetracked. This is not our business. They had no sympathy, listen carefully, they had no sympathy for the man in need. And so, Jesus is now trying to demonstrate to his audience that he's speaking to right there, the audience he's giving this parable to, he's trying to demonstrate to them, listen, your understanding of keeping the law of God is skewed. I need you to understand yes I've called you to preach yes I've given you a special message for the world but let me just tell you if you don't have sympathy for your neighbor you have missed the point of the entire three angels messages you are missing it Here, I need you to see this statement, Signs of the Times, July 16th, 1894. As the sufferer lies thus, a priest passes by, but merely glances at the wounded man. And as he does not wish to be put to the trouble and expense of helping him. This is too much trouble. It's too much expense. Come on, man. Why are we making such a big deal about this? He passes by on the other side. Then a Levite passes. Curious to know what has happened, he stops and looks at the sufferer, but he has no feeling of compassion to prompt him to help the half dead man. No feeling of compassion to understand his plight. Not to ask him, Well, how'd you get in this situation? Who put you here? Do you have parents? What, I mean, what, what was the situation? Like what? No, 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 no! It was just hey, I, no compassion. I see the situation you're in. It's a real situation. I'm gonna help you. No, that's not what happens. Let's keep reading. Watch this, guys. Watch this. He does not like the work, and he thinks it is no concern of his. Not my problem. Why are we focused on this? So he too passes by. Now I need you to watch carefully. We're continuing on. Same statement. Both these men were in sacred office and claimed to know and expound the scriptures. Watch this next sentence. Let me stand up so you can see. This is how much I want you to check this out. Listen carefully. I had to. And if you were falling asleep before, I ne- let's go. Let's look. They had been trained in the school of national bigotry. Okay? Stop right there for a second. Just stop. Yeah. I, I need that to settle in. I need that to settle in. I need you guys to just, let's have a moment of silence, and I just need you to... Let's go back to it. They had been trained in the school of national bigotry and had become selfish, narrow, and exclusive, and they felt no sympathy for anyone unless he was of the Jews. They looked upon the wounded man, but cannot tell whether he is of their nation or not. He might be of the Samaritans and they turn away. So what was Jesus trying to say? Let me tell you what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus was trying to demonstrate to the people there, to this Levite, listen, Samaritan lives matter. Samaritan lives matter. Jesus's understanding of all lives matter didn't mean all lives of a certain segment didn't mean all lives. Yeah, until I see someone in need and I'm not going to help them. You can say all lives matter. You can say, oh, I love all my neighbors. But Jesus was trying to show, listen, you don't love all your neighbors. I know how to expose your heart to you. So let me show you this parable in which when you say all neighbors matter, when it comes down to it and you're unwilling to help the Samaritan, all of a sudden now, wait a minute. Yes, Samaritan lives don't really matter, do they? Not to you. Not to you who should have been preaching the law, not to you who should have been preaching love, not to you whom I called and set apart to give a special message to the world that in God's eyes, yes, all lives matter. But for you, Levite priest, that means something else. You're not really talking about all your neighbors. You might even think you're talking about your neighbors. But look, it is demonstrated in your response to the Samaritan. What you thought was a Samaritan, because the story doesn't even say this man was a Samaritan. They just thought he could be. And just the mere thought that he could be. They were like, yeah, yeah, if it was a Jew, yeah, but it's not a Jew. So, all lives matter, all neighbors matter, did not include the S L M slogan. Imagine Jesus with a sign, Samaritan lives matter, <laughs> and the Jews are angry with him. We don't like Samaritans, we hate Samaritans. Samaritans are this. The reason why Samaritans are in the position and the condition that they are in is because we got a message to preach, guys. It's no time to get sidetracked. And our message, listen carefully, our message involves loving your neighbor as yourself. So when you walk around the man in need, you are getting sidetracked. I don't know if you caught that. (laughs) When you do not care about the oppressed enough to get involved, you are getting sidetracked. I don't care if you're going to church. I don't care if you're preaching what you call the three angels' messages. What you call the three angels' messages and what God calls the three angels' messages is something totally different. We have become sidetracked. We are walking around those who need our help. Listen to what is said in this next statement. Merely to profess belief, to believe the commandments of God while following the example of the priest and the Levite who left the needy suffering one to die without lifting a hand to help him. No, 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 no. Why should we lift a hand to help him? Let him help himself. Let him pull himself up by his own bootstraps. (laughs) Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading merely to profess to believe the commandments of God while following the example of the priest and Levite who left the needy, suffering one to die without lifting a hand to help him will not ensure eternal life. He who treats a suffering soul in this way reveals the fact, the fact, the fact that he does not love his neighbor as himself and his profession has no practical value. Let's not get distracted, guys. Let's not get distracted. Guys, listen to me. God needs us all on the same page. This is not political. And if it is to you, check your heart. I love you. You know I love you. I'm nice. I hate confrontation. Ask my wife. I hate confrontation. I don't like people being mad at me. I hate it. But guys, I owe an allegiance to the word of God. And if you're tired of hearing about the oppressed and if your judgment, listen to me, if your judgment is of such that you are unable to see the plight of oppressed people. And now I'm talking regardless of color. Yeah, there's a particular context here, but I'm talking now, if you cannot understand the oppression of people outside of your circle, I'm asking you to put down the cup of the wine of Babylon and get sober. Stop drinking. Put down the cup and drink the pure wine of Of the real gospel. I need you to catch this, guys. In Revelation 13, I need you to listen carefully to this. Listen carefully. Revelation 13, verse one. The Bible says, I stood up on the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Daniel 7:25 speaks of that same power. He shall speak great words against the most high, shall wear out the saints of the most high. And think to change times and laws, they shall be given into his hand until a time, time dividing of time. Listen carefully. This is the first beast of Revelation chapter 13. The beast that dominated for 1,260 years. And I need you to understand something here. Because this beast, what it was known to do was persecute a people based on their religious beliefs. Listen carefully. This beast... Represented a persecuting power that persecuted people who were separated from them through religion. Now, listen carefully to me. This beast exercised systemic persecution. Revelation 13, verse 1 the first beast exercised systemic persecution. Meaning that persecution was just like a natural way of doing things and it infected the people who were part of this beast so that they saw persecution as something natural, normal. It didn't even phase them. There's another beast in the book of Revelation chapter 13, and that's the one with the horns of a lamb. Notice verse 11, Revelation 13 verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. And I need you to understand, watch this. Let me just go straight into this. Great controversy, page 443 says this, the lamb-like horns and dragon voice of the symbol point to a striking contradiction between the professions and the practice of the nation thus presented. The speaking of the nation is the action of its legislative and judicial authorities. This is not in the quote. I'm just putting that in there. In other words, it's policies. This beast systemically Oppresses. Now we know in the end of time, it's going to be a very specific oppression. And listen, don't get me wrong. There are attributes of the lamb in this beast. Religious liberty. Freedom for all. Back in the day, freedom for some. But you get the idea. This beast, in various ways continues, continues, and some of you may argue, well, that was in the 1800s, or that was in the 1900s, and now things are different. If you want to believe that, I'm not even going to go there right now. I think we can all agree that systemically, this beast has held down a particular group of people. Our pioneers pointed this out very clearly. This beast was identified because of its racism, because of its slavery. In other words, it was woven into the fabric. And what happens is that many who are so strongly connected with this beast become infected with the attributes of this beast. So that now you yourself look like a lamb, but in your heart, you're just like that priest and Levite. You don't care. This person doesn't care. That person doesn't care. I hope there's no one watching that fits this description right now. That's my prayer. I hope everyone watching this right now is like, man, that is crazy. That is messed up. I am glad I am not that person. That's what I hope right now. So the priest and the Levite, yeah, whoa, they got it all wrong. So what does a parable go on to say? Notice Luke chapter 10, verse 33, guys. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he preached the three angels' messages. <laughs> the Samaritan saw him and had what? Compassion. Jesus is using a person that the Jews hated to demonstrate to them your understanding of the gospel needs some tweaking. No, I'm not saying that we need to get rid of the priest or we need to get rid of the Levite. I'm just saying that if you don't have the good Samaritan in you, if the good Samaritan is not in your message, your message is worthless. Verse 34. And he went to him. He went to him. He didn't say, come over here. I. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an end, and took care of him. Took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest, when I come again, I will repay. You guys, I hope you're catching this. It's no time for us to get distracted. We need to focus on our mission. And our mission is to preach the three angels' messages, the real three angels' messages, the one that cares about people, not the counterfeit one, not the one that passes strangers by, not the one that says, yeah, we don't have to worry about them. That's the fake one. So there's a fake three angels messages and there's a real three angels messages and the real three angels messages cares about people. It cares about the oppressed. So Satan knows if he can get us to preach a counterfeit message, yeah, one that doesn't involve actually loving the oppressed, sympathizing with those who are struggling, then he knows that our words are worthless. And when we're converting people, converting people, bringing them into the church, and giving them that same spirit, he just knows this is, these are just empty. Empty words with no practical value. So, Jesus goes on to say, I'm just going to skip these. I, I, no, I'm not going to skip these. Let, let me just share it with you. Romans 59 says this, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy for his mercy. Why is the world gonna glorify God? This message of giving God glory, how are they gonna glorify God? They glorify God through his mercy. Watch this, if we are not extending mercy to the human race, if we're not extending mercy to those that are oppressed, how are they gonna glorify God? Notice what the next text says. Same book of Romans, chapter nine, verse 23. The Bible says that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared unto glory. Beloved, we are vessels of mercy. So if we're not giving mercy to others, we're in trouble. Many of us can't give mercy because we don't have mercy. We don't have mercy in us, so we don't even know how to give it. That's why we can be so unsympathetic to people who are struggling and trying to explain to them that they're not really struggling. Come on, man, you're not really in the gutter. Get up. Those are fake wounds. Or those are wounds that the media put on you. You guys, we need to learn how to be sympathetic. When the world knows we care about them, when our communities know we care about them, they're going to listen to our message. Until then, we're just talking. We are just talking. So Luke 10:36, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and show mercy. Levite, priest, end time movement, stop passing by. Why? Because you're getting distracted from the message, from the mission. You need to learn how to care for the half dead. Don't blame the half dead for being half dead. Don't go into to and finding, oh, well, this is why the half dead are really half dead. Don't do that. Just realize they are half dead. Just realize they can't breathe. Just realize a knee is on their neck. That's all, that's all. That's all God asks you to do. It doesn't ask you, go interview this guy in a ditch. How'd you get here? Are you involved in drugs? What were you doing that put you in this position? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to help you. You probably deserve this. You are probably, you are, come on guys. Come on. You guys, I hope you see my heart. This is not political. It is not political. Stop. Your political glasses are keeping you from being sympathetic to the human plight. Stop, man, woman, please, because it's the priest and the Levite that is giving God a bad name. It's that priest and that Levite that makes a Samaritan go, keep your message to yourself. Now, I'm going to break something to you. We're about to close this off. Who was this certain man in the parable, in the story of the Good Samaritan? Why is Jesus talking about a certain man, an unidentified man, a stranger who is down and out, who is a prisoner, who needs assistance? This man who is down and out, who has a knee on his neck? Matthew 25, I need you to see this. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. So there's his sheep and then the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me to the inn. I was oppressed. I had a knee on my neck. And you ministered to me. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. I was unfairly put in prison. I was put in prison with a super long sentence for a super small crime. I was put in prison and couldn't get out because I didn't have the bail money to make it out. And so I had to take a plea deal for a crime I didn't do that led me to stay longer. I I was one of those unjustly here. We'll keep reading. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you on the side of the road and minister to you and take you? in? when did we do that? I mean, we know we did it to other people, but I don't remember seeing you there. Verse 40, the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. When you did it unto the stranger, You did it to me. Then shall I say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed Levite and priest into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no meat. You thought I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get that meat myself. I was thirsty and you didn't want to help me out. You're no, 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 we're not doing that. Uh, you need to learn how to get your own water. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Come on, man, pull yourself up. You, I was naked and you clothed me not. I was sick and in prison and you said I deserve to be there. Because my race is more likely to do certain things that end up, that end me up in jail. Because, you know, that's how, that's how that race is. And stats prove that. We're closing. Matthew 25, last verse. Verse 25. Then shall he answer, saying unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not unto one of the least of these, you did it not to me, and these shall go away in everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Guys, listen to me. Let's not get distracted. God has called us to love. And many of us are becoming so infected with the beast from the earth who has the horns of a lamb and speaks as a dragon that we now have a version of the three angels messages. That basically says pass by the sufferer. This is not our call. Let's stay focused. And there's nothing Satan appreciates more. Thank you. Just preach. That's all you need to do. Just preach. Keep passing by. Keep passing by on the other side. Keep, keep, keep. Just keep doing what you're doing. So, I need to make an appeal to us as a body, as a movement, as priests and Levites. Because that's what we are. No shame in that, guys. We're priests and Levites. God has called us to give a message. But let's remember that what Jesus was really saying in this parable. If the priests and the Levite do not have the compassion and the heart of the good Samaritan then our priest and Levite profession is no good. There should not be an argument among Christians as to how we should be responding. That's just crazy. There should not be an argument among Christians as to what is the right thing to do now how to do that right thing let's talk about it but in terms of just this is not our business we don't need to get involved we're being swept up with the with the plans of the world and blah 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 how 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 I don't get it I love you still I love you I do see look look I love you I do But guys, our message means nothing if we are not exercising the principle of the Good Samaritan. You are not keeping the commandments. Because if a man say he love God, but doesn't love his neighbor... Come on, I know none of us will sit here and raise our hand and say, yeah, I don't love my neighbor. The Levite wouldn't have done that. The Levite's like, yeah, I love my neighbor. What are you talking about? Everybody, all neighbors matter. But God had to show him something that he didn't know was in his heart. You guys, the heart is deceitfully wicked. We need to search our hearts genuinely, honestly, Allow God to show you what is there. And God says, listen, by their fruit you shall know them. And he's saying, look, Levi, you might talk a good talk, but let me share this parable with you. And when they walked by that man, when they didn't have empathy, when they thought it wasn't their business, it was a revelation of what was going on in the heart. And I'm making an appeal to you right now. Search your heart. Search your heart. Heavenly Father. Jesus made enemies because the Jews were so educated in national bigotry that they could not accept Jesus speaking of the Samaritan in that way. And yet Jesus gave the parable to show them the true condition of their hearts, a condition that they were in denial about. And Lord, today among us as a movement, there is the same issue. It's an individual issue. It's not a church uh, issue. per se issue. It's an individual issue. And Lord, we're asking you to search the hearts of your people. Our voice needs to be in the community. We need to demonstrate that we care. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us. This is your word. Lord, may we as a people do what you've called us to do. May we stop being distracted by politics. May we stop being distracted by Satan. And may we really preach the three angels' messages and live it. And I pray for anyone who is struggling with this message right now and struggling with me forgiving this message right now, Lord. Show them their hearts and may they wrestle with you and come out victorious that we may be about your business together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com Thank you and God bless.